HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Happy New Year to all of you. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. This is Damon Bolte in the studio in Heritage Radio Network in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. I can't even believe this. I, I just, I just, I, I, I hope. First of all, I hope everyone had a great New Year's Eve and had fun. But you know, it was very responsible or not, whatever. I hope you're all still with us. <laughs> um, uh, I, I last had my guest today. And this, this is okay. I'm just gonna say this real quick. So, it's a new year. It's been doing this show for a lot longer, I guess, than I realized because the last time I had. My guest on the Speakeasy was in March of 2012, and that just seems crazy to me. Um, so it's been almost four years since Toby Maloney's been on the show, and last time we spoke, it was actually uh, it was even colder than it is now in March, and we did a phone interview because we didn't want to like have you come through and trudge through all the snow and, and bull crap. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it's great to have Toby Maloney back on the show and in the studio this time. Welcome to the show, Toby. Thank you very much, Damon. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Glad to have you in. Um, well, dude, almost four years. That's crazy. It's like cocktail years or something that every year seems like seven, but at the same time they go by really fast. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's wild, man. Well, you've been very busy. Um, I mean, you're always busy. Last time you were on the show, we talked about the all the uh, the bars that you'd been involved with, and and also the, the projects outside of uh, the city of Chicago, uh, but most notably the Violet Hour. And um, I want to congrats on your James Beard. Thank you very much. That's really amazing, impressive. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Jesus, let's talk about what you've been up to, man. 
Um, um, like hey, most notably today in the New York Times, it announced that you become the the beverage director, bar director for. Uh, Mother's Ruin and Lorenzo's in this new spot out here in Bushwick. Right, why don't you tell us? Start up. Let's start out with uh, Lorenzo's, man. Um, okay, so Lorenzo's is a, a Latin themed bar restaurant. Uh, actually, restaurant bar. I would put it out uh, right off the Jefferson stop in Bushwick. Um, we are just gearing up. For the new year, and um, the menu is changing over, um, and we have a new cocktail menu going, and we're just getting ready to rock and roll. Yeah. So, wait, so let's talk about how long has it been open now? It's, it's been open a few months, yeah. but this is kind of it was very soft in the beginning, and now we're actually just really gearing up to do press and yeah. um, looking forward to bringing in the people this new year. I went there about I guess a few months back. Um, was just kicking around that part bushwick you know off the jefferson stop and I was with a couple buddies and ended up uh rolling in and i can't can't remember how many rum shots we did that night but uh it was it was nice to see you there you looked happy and uh ran into a bunch of buddies and it was from what i had heard it's it was like nothing like what i expected because knowing you and your pedigree and your background i expected it to be like a very like cavernous like cocktail dark den, no windows know. yeah yes and it was quite the opposite it is exactly the opposite um we've got these huge uh like garage doors that are all windows it's a it is cavernous in a great way um we've got beautiful art on all the walls we have 17 foot ceilings um you get space that's yes. what the main thing about it is you got so much space yeah and yeah, it's wonderful to work in a spot that's like that after so many years in the no window cocktail speakeasy sort of thing. Um, yeah. Is it, is it, it must be a huge change for you from like, you know, milk and honey back in 2000, being on the violet hour in these places to like go to a place that's like, like wildly open and, uh, and like inviting and, and, and light and bright, you know, like it must be kind of strange to, do you feel like a little like, <laughs> Like naked, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah, without a doubt. That um, having having that much space and having that much light in the beginnings of the night is is very bizarre. But you know, there's a lot of people eating and it's very convivial, so you know, it it makes sense to do it that way. And then yeah. uh, certain nights we have DJs and we bring the lights down a little bit and get more playful and convivial. So yeah. it's a lot of different things. Yeah, when I remember the night. I, I've been wanting to go back. I work so much, though. I, it's hard for me to get away. You know, I understand. I'm sure you understand that. Um, but yeah, it was. It was definitely like it was a freaking party in there, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. That's that's the point. It was. I, I really like the fact too that like you, well, you said it's a uh, a bar, re- a restaurant bar, bar restaurant. I mean, like the, the the kitchen is an open kitchen. Like you can see like everything that's going on back there. And I thought that was really cool. I think that's to me like. You know, especially when you go to places like Death and Company or even just like pretty much anywhere on that block. You know, if you go to uh, Mother of Pearl on the corner, for instance, too, it's like you might not ever realize that like those places actually have food. PDT, of course, doesn't have food, but they have that little window that they slide open. But you don't really think about the food when you go to places like that. So I think that that's kind of like I think it's been an important step in modern cocktail bars that the newest ones that are coming out it's like you're actually exposed to the kitchen to even know that there is like food available there right you know? 
I think that's definitely a trend that's happening more and more, that back in the days of these cocktail meccas in, in places um, outside of New York City as well, where you know, you, basically you had to have food, but it was downplayed to the least amount. I mean, we all hear stories of cocktail bars that have like five lean cuisines and a microwave in the background to <laughs> do their food, you know. To, to get past the, get uh, the yeah, the SLA and but, everything. But um, I think one of the new trends that we're having is we're having not only really good food, a lot of, like having food, but having really good food and well thought through food and not, I mean, God bless PDT and, and Criff Dogs and that, and that makes total sense for the neighborhood. But, you know, we have a chef, Corwin Cave, who uh, is coming to us from the Fatty Crab world and his food is just spectacular. So you know, I think this is an, a place that is really restaurant driven and you know, the cocktails are, are there, they're fast, they're not fussy. And so this is much more balanced sort of place instead of, you know, just a restaurant with a, a what not well thought through bar or a bar with sure. just food because it has to have it. I feel like it happened in, this, I think it's been kind of like this head-to-head, like nose-nose race that's been happening. And, but it's like just in like a few tiers, though. But like what had happened for the longest time is like the, these restaurants with bars always focused on food. They didn't focus on so much. It'd be like the wine list. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily so much about the beer or the spirits or the cocktails. And then after a while, it's like, oh, well, we should have a good cocktail we should have a good bar program here in our awesome like award-winning restaurant you know and then that caught up and then the bars just kind of like went past <laughs> the restaurant and then the food fell back but now it's kind of come back now that now it seems like they're really even you know there's there was this like kind of like push and pull and like kind of uh, yeah i mean there like, was definitely a push and pull there were yeah. there were numerous places that I know that there was a huge friction between the kitchen and the bar because of the the type of press that one was getting, sure. and some chefs were not so pleased with that. And um, which was strange because you know I grew up, I've been doing this bartending for a long time. Bar the bar in the back were always like tight that we had the booze and they had the food and yeah. so we got fed and they got drunk and everything was good so to see that little bit of time where there was this kind of like all right who's getting more and doing more and pushing the envelope more i think we're past that now and we're moving into I, this much more collaborative time yeah i think so too i think that there i think that this is kind of the way i saw it go down is that the bar as as the bar started elevating their game, we we could like talk to the chef and the back of the house would be like, "Hey man, what do you think about this? You know, like I, I got this idea for this, but you know, I'm not sure about this like flavor pairing." And then you know, we we absolutely have the kitchen to thank for the beginning and still like these days, like the the concepts for for new cocktails. I yeah. mean, it's it's all about the kitchen. You know, like it starts at the kitchen, but. It, I'm sure there was like a little friction because you know, like they were giving us some good ideas and guidance, and then all of a sudden we're we're all getting like a bunch of press for it, and they're like, yep. "What? What the hell is going on here?" You exactly. know. But um, yeah, I, I also think that in and this says I'm probably gonna get some hate mail for this, but um, it has nothing to do with like the old school chefs because it I think has a lot to do with like the up and coming. 
cooks and chefs who are like really driven and they want I think there's like a lot of young heart that like that is involved with a lot of the modern cocktails, you know. And a lot of the a lot of the bartender the one of the best bartenders I know actually came from the culinary world. Anyway. Absolutely. Yep. But and they're still like heavily involved in the culinary world, you yep. know. And I think that's one of the things that's missing in a lot of the and I guess I'll take my brunt of the hate mail for this, is that a lot of the bartenders that the young bucks who really could use some time in the kitchen just for you know learning how to make the syrups and understanding how yeah. how to deal with fresh ingredients and how to deal with dried ingredients and like you know six months in a in a in a kitchen i think would make everybody in the world better i think but well, sure. um i think that's yeah. something that is really missing in in this day and age kind of like stages or yeah. or education for for bartenders is that culinary aspect Absolutely. I mean, the first one I could think of, knife skills. Yeah. You should not be cutting yourself behind the bar. That is a bad look. (laughs) It's a bad look. There's nothing good with little bits of blood fingerprints on your glasses or like... Or the finger condoms Condoms, or just duct tape or whatever you find. It's like, (laughs) man, I always tell like all the bartenders that I train, I'm like, you know, like... These are all beautiful bar tools and shakers and, and glassware and everything, but like the most important bar tool you have, the hands, hands, man, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I totally agree. You know, when when approaching making new cocktails, you well, first of all, you got to like understand the classics and you got to understand the formulas and yet understand, you know, like you said, like fresh ingredients, dried ingredients, but just haven't like. Nothing happens overnight. You got to take time with that, and a lot of a lot of the new guard. And it's great that we have so many people who are interested in, in taking this on as a career path. Absolutely, I think it's amazing. There's actually you actually have the ability to get into the bar world and the culinary world and turn it into a career. A career, and you don't have to be embarrassed when somebody says, "So, what do you do for a living?" Exactly, Which... you can actually be very proud about it. You know, yeah. and there are a lot of people who have been doing it for quite some time to where it used to be the case, but now it's, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, you know, you can really, really feel good about what you're doing. And I think, I think, you know, yeah, absolutely. I think it's great to have like a, a lot of new, new blood, uh, but you know, it's like take time and learn, you know, absolutely. That, we didn't learn this overnight. <clears throat> nope. The, the whole 10,000 hours thing I think is an absolute, necessity that you have to spend 10,000 hours and it's not just 10,000 hours working point in a cocktail bar. It's in that 10,000 hours, you have to spend a good amount of time bar backing and washing dishes and again, doing some cooking or some pastry or something like that and, and getting a wider base. And then, you know, I think waiting tables and being a bus boy and, you know, seriously working the door and getting an idea of how, you know, a, a restaurant or a bar is like a 3D puzzle and all, everybody plays their little bit and a lot of times I think people who've only worked in one facet of it don't understand all that goes into all of the other facets of it and it just makes you a better bartender if you are a good server or you're a good doorman or you're a good dishwasher because you understand all of those other aspects and how it all comes together into this one beautiful thing yeah absolutely Um, Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with my buddy Toby Maloney. 
just a moment. program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. And we are back. You are listening to The Speakeasy, and today we have Toby Maloney of Mother's Ruin and Lorenzo's new place out here in Bushwick. Actually, not very far from here. It's like one stop over. Um, yeah, so... Lorenzo's, you you definitely have like more of like a Latin like tropical kind of vibe. And do you think that? Like, but you you were telling me before like that you came originally from like kind of like club bar world. Then you like you spent like you know over a decade in like the cocktail bars, and now you're getting back into the club thing. And what have you like kind of club vibe environment like kind of more party like style thing? But uh, what have you? What are some of the biggest changes like that you've noticed with the drinks? As far as like what used to be served in back in the, you know what I mean? <laughs> back in the late, back in the late nineties, yeah. you know, everything had sour mix in it, and everything was either bright green or bright red, or you know, and people would order the the Alabama Slammers and the all any sort of shot that had some sort of twelve year old sexual innuendo in it, and <laughs> um. You know, vodka reigned, flavored vodka reigned above that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a cool time to, again, to be, to understand those drinks and then to have all of this fresh, all these fresh ingredients and then to be going back to the idea of free pouring, but using fresh ingredients, which are, you know, sour mix off the gun. If you hit it for one second or three seconds, it's not going to change the drink very much, yeah. but, you know, a one count and a three count or a four count of fresh lime juice is going to change the drink her right. a lot. So, you know, it's this idea of taking those idea of the club speed, yeah. the knowledge of the cocktails and the, the templates of the cocktails, and then putting that together into a free pouring program, which um, is very interesting. Free pouring is a very interesting thing because I mean, a lot of people are, you know, it's kind of a black and white issue. Um, I think if, you know, again, like going back to what we were talking about before the break, like if you got enough practice doing it and you test yourself, like I think that's one main thing with free pouring is if you test yourself occasionally. Every day, but, every time you yeah. work, I think that you should, you should come in and calibrate your, your count. Yeah. 
Totally. So if you're doing that, then you should be fine. In theory. In theory, yes, you should. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, like, it, that also goes along with tasting every drink, you know? Absolutely. You kind of have to in that situation. Like, whereas if you're jiggering, like, you know, it, this Negroni is going to be the same every time. <laughs> it's gonna, there's a little bit more leeway with a Negroni than, say, a daiquiri. Yes, right, right. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, too. I mean, like, obviously, I don't think that Lorenzo's is like I, I don't think the drinks are tiki but they are definitely like leaning towards the more fun like tropical like side yeah, of kind of poolside sort of pool that's, side, that's, totally. that's, that's what way. I that's what I envisioned when I was going into it and and so with, with the hubris of thinking that I was going to make something great and easy and it was going to be simple I went in like oh I got this I'm just going to take all of these latin drinks and then um, use fresh ingredients and it's going to be great. Yeah. And they all sucked the first time. <laughs> so I had to go back to the drunk board and then I took the the Latin out of the drinks and just kept the Latin in the ingredients and then basically went back to classic cocktail recipes that, you know, our Pisco Sour is Encanto and lemon and a simple syrup and egg white, but our simple syrup, we add hibiscus to it, and, and then we throw a couple of dashes of Peixo in it too. So yeah. it's it's just the smallest tweak to these classic cocktails. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's that's how cocktails are invented, mostly, man. <laughs> There's know? still only four or five co- four cocktails yeah. that have ever they're, been invented. They're the mother sauces, yep. you know. Yep, the five mother sauces. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, coffee. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I mean. When, especially like in a place like like Lorenzo's, where a lot of it, like, because that place gets packed and it is kind of clubby, there's like stand. It's like a lot of it's standing, you know, in standing yep. room. There's a DJ and all stuff. So like in that situation, I, you, you might like like you said before, you know, you kind of need to make these things in a speedy fashion because like and like also people, I don't think people that are standing and dancing. Or give a shit about how much mole bitters you put in it. <laughs> nope. You just have to make them really fucking good. And, and like and it's interesting. Be a little bit, yeah, and it's got to be a show as well. And, yeah. You know, having three or four bottles in the air at a time yeah. adds to the party. It's and awesome. we're working on this program. Are you doing a flare program? It is other pertaining to that, but it's certainly <laughs> not. It, it's like working flare, and there's a couple of yeah. things that we're working on. Um, Dude, can I come by whenever you're training on that? I'd love sure. To. <laughs> I need to learn some <laughs> new tricks. Um, this is, again, It's I wouldn't call these tricks. It's just it, we've been looking at ways to make drinks faster, mm-hmm. specifically with speed pouring. So we've got a couple of things that were, again, I thought this was going to be the easy part because I had seen it done. And I'm like, oh, this is going to make sense and it's going to work perfectly. And took a tumble the first few times so we're still working towards that and we do ha- uh the company does have a club in the pipeline coming down so this is cool. also part practice for the oh, nice. full-on dance club that we'll be doing that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> um yeah cool man and also like one of the things that you guys had carried over from uh, mother's ruin is the the dress Takate can which I can't even tell you how many hundreds of those I've had in my life. Right? I think we're keeping Cholula in business in a, a pretty <laughs> large way. That, Yeah, it's it's such a classic that uh, TJ and I worked at the Rusty Knot back in 
I don't even know, 2003, 2004, something like that. I didn't realize it'd been around that long. Yeah, we were yeah, we were the openers. I, I I did the I was consulted on the the program, and he was one of the opening bartenders. And the first cocktail, I, the first mixed drink. I don't even know what to call it. The first thing that manipulated alcoholic libation that I ever <laughs> had was was like ten or eleven in Tijuana, and uh, not sorry, uh, Juarez. And my parents gave me a couple of. Um, Pesos told me to go away for a while and run around. Juarez was very different back then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found a guy with an igloo cooler, and I walked up, gave him some pesos. He opened it. He pulled out a Tecate, cracked it, and he had a salt shaker, and he shook that. And then he had pieces of lime, and he squeezed that in there and handed it to me. And it was like 120 degrees, and I hit that first really cold iced Tecate with salt and lime, and I was... It was awesome. Change your, change your whole world, man. Exactly. You know, the second or third drink weren't nearly as good, and so, yeah. so because of that, I we had tecates with salt and lime at, at um, the Rusty Knot, and we just couldn't keep tecate in the coolers because it was just flying out. And um, you know, TJ took that idea and made the the Michelada version of it with that, and it's it's, it's a staple. It's a staple now. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, I know they that uh, Jay Zimmerman does it at Basic. You know, like it's a. I think he does it with Budweiser though. <laughs> Fine, yeah, um, perfect. But yeah, I've definitely done that a lot too, man. Speaking of man, Mother's Ruin. Let's talk about Mother's Ruin for a little bit. I mean, i've I've gotten I've gotten behind that bar once uh, during like one of Brian Miller's Tiki Mondays, and uh, those damn Tiki Mondays. I never remember the end of them. It's nope. I don't think anybody does. It was uh, it was pretty cool though because it was uh, the first time I had done a Tiki Monday where we were actually batching the cocktails, which was a total game changer. <laughs> totally, yeah. Because the first two I did were not that. <laughs> they were those twelve touch drinks are oh man brutal. And and that was also when you like were writing your own menu. Mm-hmm. And I totally just shot myself <laughs> in both feet, man. But I always had a good time there. And like oh man, I mean like. Outside of uh, the micheladas and all the other goodness, frozen drinks there also. Yep. Um, man, that tomato soup and grilled cheese. Good God. The food is always surprisingly so good. good there. Yeah. Yep. So good. And, and just what you want when you've been drinking more than you should. Well, it goes back to what we're talking about, but the restaurant bar, bar restaurant, you know, thing. Yep. It's, it's definitely, it's. I feel like both part, both elements of that place, outside of the environment and the staff and everything, I think they're like kind of like equally important at that bar. Absolutely, you know, and it's really, it's really impressive that that's that they're just so like right there. You know, it's really cool. Um, so, what was the what was the main focus with uh, the opening of Mother's Run? Was it to, to be more of like a neighborhood bar? Yeah. Um, again, I uh, TJ and Richard when they opened it. They, if if everybody remembers what it looked like, it was a work in progress when it opened. Mm-hmm. That um, that was kind of one of the cool things about it was um, to go in there and week by week, some little things were changing. Yeah. And um, I think that's one of the reasons it's become this institution is because so many people in that neighborhood grew with it. Grew with it exactly, yeah. and we have one of the most amazing group of industry regulars in the history of bars in New yeah. York, as far as I'm concerned, that, you know, by two, two thirty in the morning, you look around the room and you know, 
everybody's first name and you know where they work and there's a couple of civilians you know sprinkled through there but it's it's one of the things i think just keeps it so alive and yeah. vibrant between that and attaboy you're gonna you're gonna run into quite a few people you know exactly. that, at that time yep. of night for sure absolutely and maybe you go to both places in one night. <laughs> That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it is. I've, I've done it. I've, I've tried it. Yes, me as well. I'm sure you have. <laughs> um, the only thing worse would be to, if you live in Williamsburg, to, to go to extra to fancy. To go to extra fancy <laughs> <laughs> as the third nail in your coffin. Yeah. I've probably done that one, too. I've probably done the trio. and um, Yeah. yeah. Still good time, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mother's Ruin has always been a really cool place. Um, and, yeah, it's it's one of those places that you kind of like, I don't know, at least to me, like, you know, as I opened my bar, I was like, dude, I want my bar to be like this. I want it to be like, I want this vibe. I want it to be like really like welcoming and like neighborhoody. I want some good food. I want good drinks. And I want to see like a ton of industry people yeah. like every night. Yeah. It's, it's, it's getting there. It's yeah. getting there. But, uh, yeah, Mother's Ruin and Lorenzo's, man, you're, killing it right now and you're like you said you, we we shouldn't talk about it yet but i know you've got a couple more things coming down the line so when you do uh finally want to uh open up the the floodgates on that conversation then uh, i'd love to have you back toby awesome that would be a pleasure yeah and uh i guess we're at the end of the show so okay. maybe let's go uh let's go, go have lorenzo's man <laughs> all right perfect all right guys check out lorenzo's check out mother's ruin if you haven't and check out toby maloney man he's one of the greatest living legends of bartending in the world that's it for the speakeasy this week happy new year to everyone and check out heritage radio network for many more programs like this cheers cheers listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.